Today's episode is sponsored by Acorns. Acorns makes it easy to start automatically saving and investing for your future. You don't need a lot of money or expertise to invest with Acorns. In fact, you can get started with just your spare change. Acorns recommends an expert-built portfolio that fits you and your money goals, then automatically invests your money for you. I don't know the first thing about investing my money, and it is all so overwhelming, I wouldn't even know where to begin. I love that Acorns makes it so easy and how you don't need a lot of money to get started. So head to acorns.com creepers or download the Acorns app to start saving and investing for your future today. Paid non-client endorsement may not be representative of all clients. Tier 1 compensation provided. Compensation provides an incentive to positively promote Acorns. View important disclosures at acorns.com creepers. Investing involves risk, including the loss of principal. Please consider your objectives, risk tolerance, and Acorns fees before investing. Acorns Advisors LLC, Acorns, is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are provided to clients of Acorns by Acorns Securities LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. For more information, visit acorns.com. This week's sponsor is absolutely perfect for true crime fans, especially those of us that love a twisty, turny murder mystery. June's Journey is a game set in the Roaring Twenties. June's sister Claire and her husband Harry were found dead, and June is certain that they've been murdered. Now she must travel to New York, where her sister's estate was, to look after her niece and solve the mystery of Claire's death. You go along the journey with June, searching for hidden objects in different locations from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris, uncovering hidden clues to solve the mystery as you go. I'm already on chapter six and the mystery has gotten so good. I cannot wait to uncover more clues. I'm also loving how you get to customize your very own luxurious estate island. That's right. Let your imagination run wild as you decorate your island with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. My pool is literally insane. It has a waterfall. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free on iOS and Android. I'm so glad to see your face. You survived. Survived the day. The day. I survived teaching the day after Halloween. <laughs> I should mark myself safe on Oh, that feature. People need to chill with that feature. But I remember at Harvey, people were marking themselves safe, like, before the flood. <laughs> like, can you guys wait? <laughs> like, I survived my pre-hurricane trip to HEB. Like, that's not what right. this is for. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of True Crime Creepers, where we talk about all the real-life creeps, from serial killers to con artists. I'm Kristen, the true crime fanatic who loves to tell these stories. And I'm Mogap, the true crime newbie who hasn't heard any of them. I will have you know, I did the intro wrong last week because I wasn't reading it. <laughs> I thought it sounded a little different, but you kind of gave a laugh. <laughs> Episode, what was it, 56? And I still don't have the <laughs> intro down. <laughs> I mean, we can't expect perfection. We're not time. Ozzy Osbourne. What are we? <laughs> Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> I have a super special announcement. I have two super special announcements. What? One, I think my foot is broke. Oh, no. Major shouts to my friend slash neighbor's 90-pound golden retriever, Tulip, who is an absolute linebacker. 
and jumped on my foot. You know, I'm not like going to the trauma unit at Atlanta's third largest hospital or anything. Like my mom's sprained ankle, but I'm really struggling. But my second super important announcement is that I dropped off Patreon mail today at the post office. And if you want a card and sticker and a wax sealed envelope, and I'm, t- I'm not, listen, I'm not pulling through and dropping them in the blue mailbox. Like I'm going in, I'm talking to a very loyal and dedicated postal worker. I'm sitting in line, stamping these things, handing them over like I am doing (laughs) civil service. Moral of the story, people, sign up for our Patreon. Oh, yeah. What's a a Patreon, Mogab? It is this service, (laughs) per se, (laughs) where you get to support all of the hard and good work that we're doing on the pod. So you get bonus content, little mini bonus episodes we call mini creeps. You get some swag. You just need to go check yeah, it out. Patreon.com slash true crime creepers. Join it, join it, join it. This episode is sponsored by Pros. Supporting our sponsors really helps support the show. A couple of years ago, I decided it was probably time I figure out some kind of skincare routine. But the problem was, and has always been, too many options. I don't know exactly what I need or what's best for me and my skin. So thus far, my solution has been to just buy a skincare line off the shelf and hope it helps. But that's all about to change when my custom skincare from Pros comes in. Each and every bottle of Pros custom hair and skincare is made to order and personalized with a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. In fact, in a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised, controlled clinical study, aka the gold standard in research studies, Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or get your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so that you can see the difference custom care can make. That's 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash creepers. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash creepers for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash creepers. All right. Should we get into it? Should we get started? Yes, I guess. But is tonight's episode creepy? Because, you know, I'm on that solo dog duty and whatnot. It's not so much creepy as it is a little little culty. Oh, okay. I can get down with that. Yeah. Big thanks to John Lee Anderson for his article in The New Yorker, The Murder Scandalizing Brazil's Evangelical Church, as well as Tom Phillips for his article in The Guardian, whose title would just give everything away, but it is linked in the show notes. So thanks, Tom Phillips and The Guardian. Mogab, we're going international today. Are we going to get to go to Brazil because the eyebrows are fired? The eyebrows are fired. And it's very exciting timing because you just sent me Marco Polo about how you were sending a card to Brazil. I was because I finally <laughs> figured out international. Finally figured out but international. I hope it gets there. So hopefully your card gets you, uh, listener in Brazil. And thanks, thanks for listening. Did they suggest this case? No, actually, this was a case I heard about. I I don't even, I know I heard about it on a podcast. I tried to find what podcast I must have heard it on. I only listened to like a few religiously, and I couldn't find that either of them had done any episodes on it. So I don't know where I first heard about it. It's been years. 
But I was going to do another case this week, and I'd been working on it, and I have it about halfway done, and then I just kind of like stopped feeling it. I was like, I'm not in the mood for this. So on like Thursday, I was like, that's been happening to you a lot. <laughs> I'm like, Thursday, I'm like, I'm changing it. We're going to do this other case. And I'm so glad I did, because this case was like so much more wild than I even remembered. All right. Just a disclaimer, I unfortunately and very sadly do not speak Portuguese because by the end of this, I really wanted to be able to speak Portuguese. But I'm going to try my hardest to pronounce all of the names and words in this story. And I've looked up translations on YouTube. We're just going to try our best here. <laughs> white people, white people. In. Exactly. We might not recognize the name Floridalise dos Santos de Souza, but in Brazil, she is a celebrity. She was born in the slums of Rio de Janeiro called Favelas. I'm trying to say that word correctly. She was the fourth of five children. And after she made her way out, she made a name for herself as a gospel singer. She eventually started her own ministry with six churches. But her real claim to fame was the fact that she seemed to have a real heart for the children being affected by the drug wars in the country. And she started adopting them. And by this, I mean that by 2019, when our story takes place, she had 55 children. All but three uh, or four of them were adopted. That is impossible. <laughs> 50. Where? Where did five. she have them all? In Brazil. In a shoe? <laughs> Isn't that a thing? <laughs> all they lived in a shoe. Didn't she have a ton of kids? She had so many children, she didn't know what to do. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> yeah. a really terrible nursery rhyme now that I think about it. Yeah, what is that even about? <sighs> yeah. And Ugh. 55 is just kind of the number that people have settled on. It's like the best estimate because no one really knows the exact number. Like M&Ms in a jar, you know? Exactly. Her parents had been members of the Assembly of God, which is the largest evangelical church in Brazil. In 1976, when she was 15, her father was killed in a road accident. And Floridalise and her mother kind of threw themselves into religion to deal with their grief over his death. Her mother would hold regular prayer sessions in their home in the favela. And Floridalise would sing at these prayer sessions. She eventually started leading prayer sessions herself. And after a while, her and her mother opened their own church. Life in the favelas grew increasingly more violent as gangs and police fought for control over them. By the time Floridalise was in her early 30s, she started proselytizing to the favelas and to gang and cartel members on a mission to confront and convert the younger gang members. She wanted to save them from prison or violent deaths. There are a lot of stories of Floridalise in her earlier days, like the time she rescued a boy that had been set for execution by the cartel. His mom mm -hmm. came to Floridalise to pray for him, but she decided to just go and get him. And she knew where the execution was taking place, and the cartel recognized her from her work that she did with the ministries, and they let her pass. And she told their chief that she was vouching for the boy, and that if he ever did anything wrong, they could come and kill her. And they accepted her oh. challenge and let her take the boy home. Florida Lise. I know. You want to talk about doing the Lord's work. I know, for real. Florida Lise said that nobody did the kind of work that they were doing, but she said her desire to do something has always spoken louder than common sense. She said, Florida Lise can't live if she's not doing something for someone else, because Florida Lise often refers to herself in the third person. <laughs> I was just about to ask that. I love this. <laughs> 
She started building a following of young local boys who she enlisted to help her with her mission, and many of them became her first adopted sons. If something happens to her, I quit right now. <laughs> Is that what happens? No. Oh. No. Yes, something You're happens to, to her. You're about to go on a wild ride with me. Oh, All right. I do not have time for that. <laughs> One of the first to come to her was a boy named Carlos, and he was a cocaine addict, a low-level drug trafficker, whose job was to stash weapons. And Carlos came to Florida seeking shelter and just trying to escape the drug world. There was also 12-year-old Wagner, who came to her after abandoning his own family. Wagner moved into the first floor of an overcrowded two-bedroom house where Florida was living with four adopted teens and her three biological kids who were Simone, Flavio, and Adriano. One of the four adopted teens already living there when Wagner came to stay was named Anderson De Carmo, who was 14 years old when he left his family to join hers. He was also the boyfriend of Flordelise's biological daughter, Simone. So when he was adopted by Flordelise, he also was her brother. But don't worry. Yeah. It gets worse. At some point between the time Anderson was 15 to 18, there's a lot of uh, discussion about how old he was. Anderson and Simone broke up, and he and Florida Lise, his adopted mother, became romantically involved. Oh, no, man. And then they got married. I really liked her. <laughs> and then they got married. So where did her moral compass go? <laughs> yeah. So he not only became his ex-girlfriend's stepdad, but he's also now technically his own stepdad. Ew. <laughs> Anderson's age when they got married really varies depending on who you ask, but he could have been as young as 16, and she was 34. But don't worry. She says they definitely waited until he was 18 to get into any funny business. Funny business. <laughs> okay, wait. Whoa, wait. wait. Mm -hmm. Did she legally adopt him? So it was like her son before they got married. Yeah. I'm not even going to say a flow chart would help. This would be a very <laughs> entangled web here. Yeah. Okay. So he was her son first. Yes, he was her son first. I not I doubt that it was legal at this time. She didn't legalize a lot of things until a little later. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I'm maybe going to, like, crawfish a little bit backwards on my, like, <laughs> ride-or-die love <laughs> for Florida <laughs> Still loving that she refers to herself in third person, though. I will, I will stand for that, yeah. <laughs> Please don't start doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are you kidding? And if you do, you must only refer to yourself as the MoGap. MoGap. The MoGap. <laughs> I don't know what is so funny about that, but when I advised the college women at Ohio, they, like, referred to me as that, and they, like, couldn't get over my Instagram handle. <laughs> they're like, oh, it's the MoGap. I'm like, oh, is this – the people do love that. And I love it. Early on in her career as a liaison between God and the gangs, she'd gone to proselytize in an area where addicts, criminals, and the homeless would hang out. And uh, just a disclaimer, this whole story is Florida Lisa's, and she can be a bit wishy-washy with the details, but she mm -hmm. says there was a girl who had just... Well, devil's in the details, you know. <laughs> devil's in the details, but Florida don't got time for that. <laughs> she says there was a girl who had just dumped her baby there, and Florida took the baby named Rayanne in. And later on, a few months after she and Anderson got married, she says that Rayanne's mother came back to her 
But this time she came with 37 street kids. 14 of them were babies. They all just showed up at her door. They can't just show up at her door. Babies don't walk. Like, where are these 37 babies coming from? I cannot picture this in my mind. Like, do they have strollers? Like, are the kids (laughs) carrying the babies? Like, I don't know. The mother said that the kids had all just been shot at while they were slept near a railway station and they needed someplace safe to go. So Fleur-de-Lis took them all in. By the mid-90s, she now had nearly 50 people living in her home. And it was a crowded and squalid place. She was only able to feed them because stallholders at the market would give her their throwaways. So nearly everything they ate was rotten. A dozen babies shared a cot in one room. Kids slept under the kitchen table. Anyone who sat on the sofa caught scabies. But despite all that, there was this feeling of union and unity amongst the residents. Like they were building this big family. But this big family had caught the attention of Brazilian journalists who wanted to hear more about this beautiful 30-something-year-old woman with over 50 kids. And it is important to note that none of these early adoptions were ever formalized, and as she started getting more attention, children's services started to take note. She was accused in court of illegally harboring underage children, and when a judge ordered her to give up custody, they all basically went on the run. And she says that for a time, they lived on the streets until they found an apartment they were able to hide in for four months. And after that, they went to a favela controlled by a drug gang. But when newspapers started referring to her as a child abductor, she decided to be a little bit more proactive about her situation. I'm confused how we got, how it switched so quickly. How what switched so quickly? Like to her being like saving these kids to now holding them against their will. Because people took notice, because the journalists took notice and started printing about her. Oh. And that got the attention of children's services. Like, before that, nobody was really paying anybody any attention because they were, like, in the slums. Yeah. So she went to the United Nations, and they decided to help her after hearing her story. They got help from the head of a children's advocacy group, and she was able to legalize her custody of all the kids by creating the Florida-Lee's Family Home Association. She and Anderson were hailed as heroes, and wealthy and influential benefactors started coming around to help her. They paid for her house, they gave them food and clothing, like anything that they would need. And then after she and Anderson got married, they started their ministry together, the Ministerio Florilis. I know I so wait, that. Anderson <laughs> <laughs> Lo siento. Wait, that's, that's Spanish. Spanish. I don't know. I don't know I how know. to say sorry. Anderson is still the same kid mm-hmm. slash guy. Yeah, her husband. Yeah. <laughs> slash was uh-huh. her kid though. Yes. It's the same guy. Okay. So they started their ministry. It started in their garage with neighbors coming by to hear her sing. And soon the neighbors had built a stage for where she gave, like, weekly performances. She and Anderson would drive through rough neighborhoods playing her gospel music to evangelize. She said the idea was to rescue the kids from the drug trade through music. And her music wasn't like the gospel music like we're used to. They made it trendy. I mean, it was obviously like a bop. (laughs) It was a bop. In 2002, Florida Lise and her 1,000 children went on one of Brazil's most <laughs> popular talk shows, where the host called her the mother of the nation. I She just reminds me of, like, Octomom, <laughs> but, like, uh, 
I'm just saying like Mother Teresa, but with like really good eyebrows and a tan. I mean, yeah, you're not wrong. So she went on this talk show and this is the appearance that really brought her fame. It was literally the perfect story. This beautiful woman saving all of these children from the streets. Like what more could you ask for for like a good human interest story? Four years later, a movie was made about her life by this prominent director in Brazil. It starred many of Brazil's top actors. All 27 actors that took part refused to be paid for their work on the project. (gasps) And the proceeds on the film were to be used in the construction of a rehabilitation center and to purchase a home for Florida and her 1,000 children. I was going to ask, is she still staying in the same place with all these kids? I think still? once she's like, like even- once she formalized the adoptions with like the United Nations help, then pe- benefactors started coming out. And so she has like a better place for them. Mm-hmm. It's still not like a facility of sorts. She does get like basically a compound. I'm not sure on the timeline exactly when she got it, if it was like after the movie came out and that's like the home that they built for her. I'm kind of assuming so. And the film basically depicts Florida as a crucified saint. It shows her escaping police and social services who are after her for kidnapping and then her becoming homeless so she can retain guardianship of her children before finally being gifted a house to legitimize her adoptions and evade prosecution. So maybe it was that house. Prosecution or persecution or both? Prosecution from the courts oh, trying because to. because of the courts. Yeah. Okay. The movie didn't make a lot of money, but it shot Florida Lease up to practically superstar status. She got a recording contract. Money started coming in. Over the next decade, she recorded five gospel albums featuring songs that are still sung in Pentecostal churches in Brazil to this day. Oh, I am having mixed emotions about our girl here. <laughs> I know. I think your emotions will solidify eventually. <laughs> Her audience grew and grew and grew. She went on tours in Europe and the U.S. They made her... But who's taking care of the 1,000 kids? Well, they're not going on tour with her, so... I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> These tours made her rich. It was all happening for her. Anderson became, like, her manager. He managed her gospel careers as well as the ministries. And he was kind of taking care of the financial side of things while Florida Lease worked more on the emotional and creative side. No, Florida Lease, manage your own money, girl. (laughs) She happened to rise to prominence at a time when evangelical Christianity was growing rapidly in Brazil due to several factors, but largely this promise of forgiveness, which appealed to the criminals, and its promise to struggling families that they could change their lives by converting. Mm-hmm. Evangelical pastors were promising that they could get their kids off drugs. They they could get their husbands to stop drinking. They could help them save money. Brazil has historically been a deeply Catholic country, with evangelicals making up only 6.6% of the population. But the evangelical messages were a much easier sell than the structure that the Catholic Church was pushing. And evangelicalism attracted a lot of people in a country just filled with corruption and violent crime, to the point that by 2010, 45% of the country had converted from Catholicism. I always was shocked at, like, <laughs> how all of the major, like, drug lords are – and, of course, this is all what I see on TV. Mm-hmm. I'm not rubbing elbows with the drug lords in Brazil. Sure. But they've always got, you know, the rosary tattoos or, like, all of Very the religious. scripture on their back. Yeah, And I'm like – 
uh, I don't really feel like God's like really guiding you through these decisions <laughs> here, you know? I mean, that might be me passing it, judgment. It is but. interesting how they compartmentalize their lives. Like these oh, people yeah. that are in the – and I know all of this from my deeply devoted time of being a giant fan of Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> I actually kind of pictured, I don't know anything about that show, uh-huh. but I kind of, that's what I was like picturing in this like, mm-hmm. I don't know, that they like walk into church on Sunday, mm-hmm. you know, and you're like, but you just shot someone two nights before. I mean, yeah. it's like so, but they, some of them are devout. Yes. Yes. Funny thing about Sons of Anarchy, they weren't religious like that, that group, but they did call their meetings when they would like meet together. They called it church. So Yeah. I mean, what's happening? Church. We're going to church. <laughs> Yeah, they just compartmentalize it. And they're like, that's my job. This is my spiritual life. (laughs) It's not the same, but it also reminds me of some of the athletes. Like, I love when an athlete gets in the end zone and, and, you know, does like a sign to God or like pray. I'm like, he does not care about your touchdown. (laughs) He doesn't care about your drug deal or your touchdown. Right. An anthropologist in Rio, Carly Mercado said that evangelicalism provided a refuge for people living at the edges of society because the churches gave protection to people that were living in very dangerous situations. She said life in the favelas was hard and moral choices were complicated and the church could be a way out. But it wasn't without its scandals. Of course not. In 2013, the head of the Assembly of God of the Latter Day was convicted of serially raping women in his congregation by telling them that they were possessed by Satan and the only way to get him out was to have sex with a holy man. <laughs> I mean, I could... Yikes. Uh, I mean, yikes. Yeah. Oh. Then the religion made its way to the government and Florida Lee's moved with it. She ran for office as a federal deputy, which is like Congress in the U.S. She was the perfect candidate running in 2018 at a time when massive corruption had recently been uncovered resulting in this surge of violence. Like, it was really, really bad. What year was this? Uh, 2018. And Florida Lee's had all this past experience being able to work with the gang leaders. She won by a landslide, receiving the most votes of any woman in Rio ever, and became a member of Brazil's National Congress. A huge part of her political platform was advocating for Brazil's orphans, who she said sometimes had to wait as long as a decade for their prospective parents to adopt them because of how long the process took. She wanted to get the process down to the length of a pregnancy or less. By 2019, she and her adopted son slash husband, Anderson DeCarmo, had been married for over 20 years and were living in what might be considered more a compound than a house. It consisted of four separate structures But they needed such a large home to accommodate the 22 children that still lived at home. And I use that word loosely because they ranged in age from 2 to 40. Wow. The home is built into a hillside with gates that are protecting it from the street. On June 15th, 2019, they decided to have a night out just to themselves, a nice break for an exhausted couple. They headed out to the beach at Copacabana, which was about an hour drive away from where they lived. Rumors later said they were actually out at a swingers club. They'd often been seen at swingers clubs before. And on this night, traffic cameras picked up their Honda like 500 meters from a swingers club or from the swingers club. But Florida Lee said they were at Copacabana strolling along the beach. They stopped at a sidewalk cafe for some fried fish. 
And at one point in the night, Anderson climbed on a chair and shouted, Te amo, te amo. I love you, I love Ugh. you. A real Tom Cruise move, you know? Yeah. <laughs> what? Why am I? Come on. Russell, get on the table. <laughs> Yell te amo. Let's, let's hold up. Around two in the morning, they decided to head home. Anderson drove while Florida Lise played pet rescue on her phone. When they got off the freeway, the streets were quiet, and at one point they pulled over to have sex on the hood of their Honda Accord. <laughs> on the drive after pet rescue? <laughs> yeah, Just she had to put the pet rescue. Quit away. rescuing things, Florida Lise. <laughs> Stop it. On the drive home, Florida Lise said two motorcycles roared up beside them. They veered off, and Florida Lise was relieved. The neighborhood they lived in was a nicer area, but a lot of the surrounding areas was really rough. There was a slum covering a nearby hillside. And the city itself had become more and more dangerous over the years, especially after a drug trafficking gang known as Red Command moved there from Rio. As Anderson and Florida Lee continued to their home, the motorcycles returned, once again pulling up beside them. But by the time they pulled up to the wooden gate at their driveway, they'd gone again. Anderson stayed in the car to send some emails on his phone, so Florida Lee reminded him to close the gate behind him, and she went inside. Why would he do that in his car? I don't know. She went around to check on all the kids, as she always did before bed. She saw one of them still had their lights on, so she went in to talk to him. And that's when the gunshots went off, followed oh. by screams. She heard one of her daughters screaming, my father, my father. Flordelise rushed down the stairs and outside to see a couple of her sons moving Anderson's body into a car to take him to a hospital. Florida Lee's followed behind them, but Anderson DeCarmo was dead on arrival. He'd been shot 30 times. 30. <sighs> and most of the bullets were around his groin. Oh, my God. News of Anderson's murder spread quickly throughout the country. Florida Lee's was very well known, and almost immediately there was this outpouring of sympathy for her. She spoke to journalists the day of the shooting, crying and saying that her husband had been the victim of a botched robbery and he had died defending their family. She Aww. demanded justice and she professed her undying love for him through this waterfall of tears. An overnight vigil was held and Florida was distraught with grief, nearly fainting near the open casket they had of Anderson's body. <sighs> Why do I feel like something fishy? I don't know. What could be fishy about it? This is a perfectly normal story. This is, a, perfect, this is a perfectly normal story. Obviously, botched robbers are going to shoot you 30 times, mostly near your groin. That's obviously what happened here. <laughs> there were nearly 2,500 supporters there at this overnight vigil. And Florida Lee spoke, saying that her husband had been been murdered by savages because of the nonstop violence in the favelas. And she said Brazil needed to get tougher on crime and they needed to uphold strict family values because she and her family had become targets of the ungodly. And I think that's the only oh, reason no. why it matters, like, if they were at a swingers club that night, because, like, you do you, like, could care less. But if you're going to come and say we need to uphold strict family values and that they are a target of the ungodly. Yeah, like, sis, and you're out here rolling around in sin or whatever. <laughs> you, know, you know, cast the first stone. She said that they were the victims and her 1,000 children that were now missing their father. 1,000 children. 
She said that now was the time to double down on the extreme conservative politics that had risen along with the evangelical movement. By the end of her speech, her supporters had been whipped into a frenzy. Anderson was buried at a cemetery on the outskirts of town the next morning, and Florida stood with several of her daughters, clutching them to stand up straight and singing together as his coffin was lowered into the ground. But doesn't she love him? Yes, of, of course she loves I him. I don't know how to feel. I'm feeling some type of way. I just don't know which way it is. Of course she loves him. Didn't you just hear my story about how distraught she was and how she was just demanding justice through a waterfall of tears? Yeah, but 56 grief. W- weeks here, I'm starting to... how dare you question her grief yes well give me to where it was her husband of course she's grieving the investigation into anderson's murder was run by a homicide detective named Ronaldo leal who side note also the lead singer of a heavy metal band on the side that's not important to the story but (laughs) it was colorful it's important to my story (laughs) yeah he kind of knew who florida lease was when he was assigned the case but he'd never heard of anderson but he was not buying Florida's story of a botched robbery. Yeah, I mean, fair. About eight hours after the murder, he'd sent officers to the scene at her house to collect evidence and interview everyone who lived there. No easy task, considering they had like 23 people to sift through, figure out who was who, what the relationship was between them all. They ran background checks on all of them. And they realized that one of her adopted sons, Lucas, had an outstanding warrant for an old drug charge. Detective Leal got a hold of the surveillance footage shot from the entrance gates at Florida Lisa's home. The cameras pointed toward the street, so they did not catch the murder. But it did show that like 20 minutes before the murder, Lucas had been dropped off by an Uber. Lucas told police that he didn't live at the compound anymore. He'd moved out months earlier, but he stopped by that day because he'd been in the neighborhood. And by in the neighborhood, I mean he was in the nearby favela selling drugs. (laughs) A little bit different. After work, after his hard days, uh, nine to five work, he was planning on going to an all night dance party. So he was going to drop his inventory at the compound, you know, for safekeeping before he went out. The drugs. Right. So now we got drugs in this like church compound, essentially. Right. The police were not buying his story. So they decided to tell him a little lie to see what he'd say. They told him that they'd arrested his Uber driver and that he was talking. And Lucas said, okay, fine, you got me. He admitted to police that the same driver had taken him to a favela a few weeks earlier to buy a gun. But he swore up and down he didn't know it would be used to kill Anderson. He'd only bought it as a favor to Flavio, who is one of Florida's two biological sons from her previous marriage, before Anderson. Who did she marry before Anderson? That We didn't have that info. That wasn't told to us, right? Yeah. Okay. Apparently, that was not, like, the part of her life that anybody cared to write okay. about. There's so much here. Yeah. <laughs> I've got you enough to and information. <laughs> Choose your own adventure. <laughs> but Flavio also had an outstanding warrant. This one for domestic violence. 36 hours after the murder, Lial sent officers to the funeral to arrest him. Police didn't have to question Flavio long before he'd confessed to having a hand in Anderson's murder. <gasps> what? But Lial didn't see the confession as the end of the investigation. There were just too many coincidences he had to find an explanation for. 
And also, side note that I didn't realize until I just reread this over, I wonder if just all of her children happen to have outstanding warrants, or if it's just the two, the one that bought the gun and the one that (laughs) is confessing to having shot him. I feel like there's probably a few more floating around that population, (laughs) if I had a guess. Yeah. I'm like, is that just a coincidence? And I mean, like, no judgment. I'm just, you know, working with all the facts I got here. So... One of these coincidences he had to explain away is the fact that both Anderson and Flavio's cell phones were missing, and no one could tell them where they were, just happened to poof, disappear. They completely searched the compound for them, but they were nowhere to be found. What they found quite easily, though, was the actual murder weapon just sitting on the dresser in Flavio's room. What? Like, not even, like, in a drawer, just, like, (laughs) sitting on top of the dresser. I'm stressed. Yeah, there were no fingerprints on the gun, but they did find one of Flavio's pubic hairs. Ew! Which, which means he all just the places to find a He was holding hair. it in his uh <laughs> in his pants. You know? <laughs> oh. Like you know how they like tuck it in the front? Uh, oh sure. Yeah. You know, all my thugs and gangsters, they got it right in the front. <laughs> right which there. like I'm so gangster, the most I'm so thug. Terrifying place to put a gun. Like if No kidding. Like, are you kidding? Even in Harry Potter, they say, don't put your wand in your pocket. You'll blow your butt off. So over the next week, six more siblings were arrested. And by August, police issued an indictment against Florida Lise herself, (gasps) charging her with involvement in the killing. What? Make this make sense. The only reason it had even taken so long to issue the indictment was because apparently elected lawmakers in Brazil have parliamentary immunity. Detectives had to write to Congress detailing their investigation against Florida Lise and asking for her parliamentary immunity status to be stripped. But it would be really tough to get done. Brazil's parliamentary immunity had been enacted with the 1988 Brazilian Constitution. And unlike other countries, this immunity extended to crimes committed outside official duties, which would include murder. I mean, so what? These people just have a free-for-all? Basically, yeah. The whole point of parliamentary immunity is so that a member's vote can't be changed because of blackmail and things like that. But it makes it really difficult to prosecute when they actually do commit (laughs) a serious crime. Sitting federal representatives have to be tried by the Brazilian Supreme Court, which is one of the most overloaded judicial systems in the world. And they dismiss like 33% of all claims against federal deputies because they take so long to get to them that the statute of limitations has run out. I mean, they just can't handle it. Yeah. And not to mention, it's in the judge's favor to act in the benefit of politicians. But, like, Supreme Courts are supposed to be above that. That's why they get place for life, at least here in the U.S. That's literally the whole point. Yeah. I'm not sure about in Brazil. Yeah, that's literally the whole point. (laughs) Even so, Flordelis started seeing consequences to her scandal. Five of her six churches closed, and the last church's parishioners dwindled to about 100. And people started questioning some of the stories that she'd told from her early life. Like, where exactly these 37 children had come from? Yeah, yes, someone answered that. Yeah, she said that they were survivors of a mass shooting at a train station, but police never found any evidence that this shooting ever took place. But they're pretty sure they know where she got the idea for the story. Months before the 37 children came to her, in July of 1993, there was this horrific event that became known as the Candelaria Massacre. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? 
The money you earn can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 a day or $750 per pay period. Just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck, and then access your money as you earn it instead of having to wait for it to hit your account. Any money you access, including any optional tips, are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. It is a much-needed alternative to predatory payday lenders for people that find themselves in a bind, like a bill due Wednesday when payday isn't until Friday. Or you're like me and you're just getting slammed with birthdays. Why are all my friends Tauruses? With Earn In, I don't have to worry about being late with a gift because I had to wait for payday. Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Creepers under podcast when you sign up. It'll really help the show. Creepers under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. The Candelaria Church had kind of become known as this place to go for Rio's street children. The church tried to provide food and clothing and shelter for as many of the kids as they could. And every night, a large group of kids would come to the Candelaria to sleep outside of it. They'd been given warnings by police several times to leave, to not sleep there. But one night, instead of listening, a group of the kids started throwing rocks at the police cars. So the police came back that night around midnight while they were all sleeping outside this church and just opened fire on a group (gasps) of about 70 kids. How can they do that? Ugh, I hate it here. I hate it here. Eight people were killed, ranging in age from 11 to 20, but most of them were under 18. I mean, it was truly awful. Yeah. Most of the things you tell me on this podcast are truly (laughs) awful. They're terrible. So police believe that this was the event that inspired Flordelise's story about where the kids came from. And that it was just a beautiful story she was telling about taking in all these survivors and no one ever bothered to fact check it. They suspected that they were all just kids from the neighborhood that had like showed up at one time or another. Even the actors who had been in the movie about her life publicly stated that they regretted doing the movie and giving her story the visibility it did. But Hmm. Florida Lise was insisting that she was innocent and she was determined to clear her name. But instead... Her name was dragged further and further down as reports of what had actually gone on inside that house with all those kids came out. And again, I'm using the term kids loosely. By 2019, some of her kids are in their 40s. And Florida Lise, who for over a decade had held the reverence of the entire country and who started to seem like this incredibly altruistic Mother Teresa type figure, started to look more like the leader of some weird cult. Oh, but I, you know, I really was, I really liked her in the beginning. <laughs> How can you not? I mean, she seems like this angel sent from heaven above to like save the children of the game. I mean, it's yeah. like, yeah, for sure. You literally were like the liaison between God and the gang. And I was like, here for that. I know. This is just you trying to prove that you still can pull a fast one on me. You're like, <laughs> I know. I was That's like, I know it. she's so great, isn't she? Uh, so great. I know. Keep talking about how great she is. Uh, <laughs> dang it. Two months after Anderson's murder, two people came to detectives with stories that would blow their minds. Oh, no. 
In the article in Mel Magazine, they called them Jim and Jane, so we're going to go with that. Jim was one of Flordelisa's adopted kids, and Jane was a parishioner, I think if I have that right. I hope I do. And they told detectives that basically the adopted kids had allegedly been used as a personal marketing tool to get donations that they were living off of, and even worse, used as sex slaves. <gasps> and just a disclaimer, everything I say after this is alleged. It's based on the testimony from Jim and Jane. But they said that they lived in squalor and they would get beatings regularly. And they said oh. that Florida Lise was basically running her family like some Scientology type organization where you would work through steps to ascend to different ranks. And just like you learn about Xenu at the OT3 level in Scientology, more about that in our Scientology episodes, if anybody oh, wants to listen. Don't remind me. <laughs> Once you reached a certain rank in Florida Lisa's family, you learned that she was actually a cherub named Kuterien or Kuterien. I don't know how to say that. <laughs> don't say Kuterien. Kuter, it's with a Q. Q-U-T-E-R-I-E-N-E. That was her cherub name. And you would be given an angel name. Oh. What about my angel name would be? Is there an angel name generator online? Do you remember those where you could like? <laughs> do you know that's how Childish Gambino got his name? Yes, I do know that. I love him. Uh, an insane like clown posse. No, it was an insane clown posse. Wu-Tang. It was a Wu-Tang clan name generator. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I've done mine Let's do several a name times. generator right now. Okay. I'm going to find one. You find your best one. I'm going to find one. Okay. Okay, you do yours. I'm going to do mine. And then... If you're listening to this episode, you have to comment with yours. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> From this oh. day forward, you will be known as Arrogant Ambassador. <laughs> uh, yes, please. Obviously. Okay. Drunken Mastermind. <laughs> oh, yes. Drunken Mastermind. I'm going with Arrogant Ambassador. <laughs> okay. We got Arrogant Ambassador and Drunken. Drunken Mastermind. Drunken Mastermind. <laughs> I'd be arrogant, mastermind. You'll be. I'd be drunken drunk ambassador. <laughs> That's fitting for day. this. Uh, I'm out of yeah. Trulies. I'm very upset about it. I went to go grab one for uh, this recording and no Trulies. Boo! Are you doing this without a Trulies? Yes, I know. Okay, are you ready to get back into this? Uh, yeah, but cult? I do want the people to put their Wu Tang name. <laughs> yes, put your Wu Tang name. All right. The children had to perform in different rituals, like writing psalms with their blood and having sex with <gasps> visiting pastors. Ew, what is this? I know. In order to move into the house, you had to be initiated with a purification ritual, which is funny because Scientology has the purification rundown, where you live in isolation for seven days, dressed in white and eating only rice and vegetables. Okay, minus the rice and veggies. I could get down with that. <laughs> As part of the initiation, you're baptized with the names of biblical figures and indoctrinated to believe that you are an angel sent by God himself to help Flordelise carry out a mission here on Earth. Well, my cherub name is Drunken Mastermind. So <laughs> <laughs> and according to Jim and Jane, at the end of the initiation, you had to have sex with Flordelise. And once you moved in, you had to have sex with anyone she wanted you to. Ew, uh, she's the worst. I know. Uh, and it, it it's about to get worse. It was oh, also God. reported that Flordelise had not treated all 55 of her children equally. She referred to her three biological children and the first five that she'd adopted as the first generation. 
And not only did they get a cool group nickname, but they also got major preferential treatment, like access to the refrigerator and the pantry. Luxuries the 47-ish others did not get. The refrigerator was kept padlocked, and one article said it was kept in Florida and Anderson's room. But that article had been translated from Portuguese, and it was not a good translation. I could already see, like, mistakes. So it's possible it was a bad translation. Because I did ask my my resident Rio expert, Rachel, if uh, that was like a regular thing in Brazil, keeping refrigerators in your bedroom. And she was like, not unless you like have to, like if you're in the favelas, the the favelas. No. While the first generation were eating like kings, the others were given bread without butter for breakfast and the same menu of rice, pasta and sausage for lunch and dinner every day. (sighs) Woof. I would be so skinny. (laughs) Apparently, the first generation also spoke in like this secret made-up language, so none of the other 40-odd kids would be able to understand them, with Florida-lease. The first generation kids got their own rooms, while the others all had to share, and they were not subjected to any of the emotional, physical, or sexual abuse that the others were. How does that happen? They were the favorites. But I wonder if, like, these other generations – I sound like we're talking about iPhones, the first generation. I know. I wonder if the people that came in later, like, fourth or fifth generation, Mm -hmm. I wonder if they kept thinking they would get to that spot where they wouldn't have to endure any of this and would have all the special treatment and perks and, like, all of this stuff. I wonder if that's why they stayed around. I'll bet you're totally right. Because I guess what is the better option, they think? Well, and I think they've definitely been – I think there's definitely – a layer of brainwashing that we have to take oh, into account sure. here that like they're they've been indoctrinated and Florida Lease is this like just like you saw at the beginning I mean they they're thinking she's this incredibly altruistic person they are here to help her on this mission to like save all these kids and like you know on a mission from God Ugh. and that's powerful you know especially yeah. when you've lived the lives that they've lived I can't I just like It blows my mind how it gets in people's heads, like, things that God calls you to do that are horrendous. I know. Whether it's things like this or it's, you know, September 11th or all of these things in the name of this higher power that are awful. They're so bad. Oh, God. Yeah. It also seems that Florida Lisa and Anderson might not have had this beautiful relationship that they appeared to have. I mean, imagine that. She married her son. so. A year after Florida Lease took office as a federal deputy, Anderson apparently asked her for a divorce, but Florida Lease refused. In a text to one of her sons, she said, I can't divorce him. It would scandalize the name of God. And it would also bring really bad financial issues. Anderson took care of the finances for the ministries, but it seemed like took care of really means that he had total control over them. At one point, he had instituted a new system that required all of their parishioners to donate 10% of every paycheck to the church, and he took that money and stashed it away somewhere that allegedly only he had access to. If they divorced, he'd take half the couple's earnings, and only he could access and calculate what that amount would even be. So she decided divorce was out of the question, and in 2018, she started to plan his murder with the first-generation kids. Oh, no. They had been trying to kill him for almost a year before they finally succeeded. Mm. Her biological daughter, Simone, started Googling things like, assassin, where to find, 
and poison to kill a person that is lethal and easy to buy. That would be cyanide <laughs> from our last episode. Uh, well, they they settled on arsenic, but cyanide oh. would have also done the job probably. Probably a little bit more efficiently, too. Several of the kids arranged for a hitman to ambush Anderson while he drove away from church after the service one Sunday. But he and left. She knows all of this. Yes, this allegedly, happening? allegedly, allegedly. Yes, <laughs> but in a borrowed car, he he left in a borrowed car, and the hitman wasn't able to find him. So got past that guy. This is like Michael Malloy all over again. I know. And does he obviously know that this is happening? That's why he left in that car. Or is he oblivious? I think he's totally oblivious. I think it was like later that he realized they're trying to kill him, and that's why he like because then they got a hold of the arsenic and they started lacing his food with it. But he didn't die. He went to the hospital six times. He would be in meetings. He'd start vomiting. <laughs> He's like, I have some weird stomach. <laughs> yeah. No, dude, you're getting poisoned. <sighs> One of the first generations, Wagner, we talked about him at the beginning. Yes. His wife, Luana, says she once overheard a conversation between Simone and Florida Lise, where Simone said, Mom, now that you're a congresswoman, we don't need him anymore, do we? And Luana also recalled Florida Lee's telling her in 2019, he won't make it through the year. He's hindering the work of God. One of the adopted daughters said in testimony that she remembered seeing another daughter putting powder in Anderson's drink, saying, I'll do anything for mama. Ew. Yeah. And I'm not sure if this daughter was first generation or if Florida Lee's had actually roped in some of the others to take part in her plan as well. Anderson was the, wasn't the only one hurt by their plan. One of the adopted daughters, Christiana, had some of Anderson's juice one day, not knowing it was poisoned, and she got so sick that she had to go to the hospital. But Anderson was still alive, and Florida and the first generation were getting frustrated. There was a rumor that one daughter had said that Anderson was so rotten he wouldn't die, and that Florida told her that if she wanted to kill him, it would have to be with bullets. Florida Lee says this never happened, of course. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. As more evidence came in and more of the family gave their testimony, police started to realize that this group was working less like a family and more like a criminal organization whose sole objective was to snuff out the life of a relative. Yeah, I mean, they're taking no days off. No. You know, Anderson would have been better if he had just stayed first generation, not married Florida Lee. Yeah, I know. Wifed her up. Yeah. The police chief, Alan Duarte, said he considered Florida Lee's a psychopath, and he named the murder investigation Luke 12, because that's the chapter that focuses on hypocrisy and lies. <laughs> Luke 12. That's genius. I know. I know. Love that move. <laughs> so police started working out their theory of what happened in this murder plot. One daughter, Marzi, who I believe was one of the first generation, She asked one of the younger sons, Lucas, who was 18, to arrange the murder and make it look like a bungled robbery. And she said she'd give him the equivalent of $850 and Anderson's collection of wristwatches. (laughs) Flavio, one of Flordelise's biological children, he did the actual shooting and others helped with logistics and distracting potential witnesses. But police believe that this conspiracy spread throughout the entire family. Once police started to understand the family dynamics, they could see that everything revolved around Florida Lise, and they knew that she must have had something to do with it. Once they'd heard the stories, 
They knew that she had great psychological power over them. And they could see how easy it would have been for her to manipulate them into killing him. Police figured the motive had to do with conflicts over money or the kids fighting over their parents' attention and resentment over Anderson's influence in the family and with Florida Lease. And this was especially clear to police when they were able to download all of Anderson's cell phone records from the cloud Mm. since they had never been able to find his phone. Man, nothing trips me up like the cloud. I know. Like, what, where is it? What, what is it? What's in it? It's the internet, Mogab. It's the I internet. know, but. <laughs> it's like your personal <laughs> account on the internet. Listen, don't try a 95-year-old <laughs> me right now. Police realized that Anderson's influence was more than they'd realized. He organized and orchestrated everything, down to her political meetings, and they could clearly see the power conflict. Finally, in August of 2020, Florida Lise was formally charged with Anderson's murder, as well as 10 of her children, including a granddaughter who was actually Rayanne, that first baby that she ever took in from the yeah. woman who later brought the 37 kids, supposedly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but unlike those 10 others, Florida Lise still had parliamentary privilege, which meant that she was not sent to prison before the trial. While her 10 children sat in jail for this, she was fitted with an ankle monitor to restrict her movements. Oh my gosh. And apparently those movements also restricted her from ever visiting Anderson's grave, ever. According to the gravedigger, his grave had been completely abandoned and neither Florida nor any other members of his family ever Mm. visited it. That's really sad. I know. None of the children accused of participating in the murder plot ever disputed the poisoning attempts, except for Simone, which was laughable as she was the one Googling things like where to find a killer. (laughs) Easy to buy lethal poison to kill a person. I would just like to say, though, I'm very nervous about my search history now (laughs) that I do this podcast. I've already thought about, like, hopefully if anything happened to me, people would be like, she does a podcast. That's why her search history is the way it is, but... (laughs) It's, you want to talk about murdered, it's my search history. Uh, uh, Mine too, dude. (laughs) Yeah. But Simone explained it all the way, don't worry. Good explanation for all these Googlings. She said that she had a friend who had a sick dog, and she was Googling ways to kill (laughs) the dog. But also don't do that. Kill the dog? Yeah. Yeah. That's Put it out of its misery. Yeah. All of the accused children maintained that Anderson's killing had been an act of revenge, driven by Simone. In January of 2021, there was a court hearing where Simone, who's 41 at this time, she told the judge that Anderson, her ex-boyfriend, don't forget, and stepfather. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I forgot about that. (laughs) Yeah. Ooh, that's spicy. (laughs) (laughs) That he had first started sexually assaulting her while she was going through cancer treatment in 2012. And she'd only endured the assaults because he was paying for the medical treatment. She said she had given Marzi the $850 to help her and make it stop. And there was a lot of weird stuff going on in that house, so it's totally possible that he did assault her. But I don't believe for a second that that's why she gave Marzi that money. I think she did it to help Florida Lee's get what she wanted. And also, there was evidence that her medical treatment had been paid for by insurance. So that whole thing wasn't Ah. true either. Florida Lee's denied knowing anything about this abuse. And at her fourth court appearance, she was still denying that she'd taken any part in the plot. 
She'd recently lost the right to visit any of her arrested children because the police suspected that they were getting together to concoct an alibi. But she still had parliamentary immunity. So basically, she could still talk to them without any punishment coming down on her. They can't even punish her for murder. What are they going to punish her for talking to the kids? They could get in trouble, maybe, if they had been told not to talk to her. But she's basically like above the law at this point. In February of 2021, Florida Lise turned 60, and her evangelical empire that she'd spent decades building was on the verge of collapse. It had been six months since murder charges had been issued, and a congressional ethics committee was debating whether to strip Florida Lise of her parliamentary immunity. I mean, the answer is clear. Clearly, yes. <laughs> but Florida Lise continued to defend herself. Several months ago, she started a YouTube channel, and my God, I have never wanted to speak another language more than I want to speak Portuguese so I can understand what she is saying in these YouTube videos. I did link the channel in our show notes. Oh, good. (laughs) The deep dive. Why is this happening? Like, why does she feel like she needs that? Why is OJ on Twitter all of a sudden? Like, why? (sighs) Why are we doing this? One line that I'm sure she said at least once in her YouTube videos is, They say it was about power and money, but what power? What money? Because it it was a line that she said in court and then a line that she repeated to like every journalist that came to interview her. It was in like every article. (laughs) They were all like, we've heard it before. Yes. She's saying like that she was the congressman and she was the gospel singer. So there was no power that she could steal from her husband because the power was already hers. But- She lost that power when a judge finally ruled that she would stand trial before a jury for aggravated murder with nine of her alleged accomplices, including all three of her biological children, Simone, Flavio, and Adriano, as well as her granddaughter, Rayanne, that first baby, her adopted daughter, Marzi, and her adopted son, Lucas. Not so great to be in the first generation now, is it? (laughs) <laughs> I do love the name Marzi. It's like Marcy with a Z. I'm yeah, I like it too. I actually, yeah, I actually do like it, Marzi. If convicted, Florida Lise could face up to 30 years in jail, which would effectively be a life sentence for her. The only thing left was to get rid of that pesky parliamentary immunity, which <laughs> happened just this past June of this year, 2021, just this past summer. That was like yesterday. That was like yesterday. The Congressional Ethics Committee voted to strip Florida Lees of her immunity by an overwhelming 16 votes to one. But the vote then had to go to the lower courts. And on August 11th of 2021, so like literally yesterday. Like a few hours ago. Yeah. The lower house reconfirmed the Ethics Committee with a whopping 437 to 7 vote. Oh, yikes. (laughs) Who are those seven people, like her family? (laughs) Right. And that officially voted to impeach Florida Lise. Two days later, on August 13th, 2021, Florida Lise was arrested and taken to jail to await a trial. So that was about two and a half months ago. No trial date has been set that I can see or that I can find. And as far as I know, Florida Lise is still sitting her murdering ass in jail. And is she still referring to herself in third person? <laughs> I hope so. She's got to be. Well, That's I a know. habit that must be hard to break, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. 
Uh, she is. And uh, that is the story of the murder of Anderson DeCarmo. That's really sad. It makes me sad because you want to, like, truly believe these, like, really wonderful saint-like people are out in the world doing amazing things. But only Malala. <laughs> you will go down with that. You are only Malala. 100%. And Malala can do no wrong. And I firmly believe that. Uh, Mother Teresa, Gandhi, all those other dudes, on the other hand, you know, Gandhi would sleep naked with his young granddaughters. Just. Uh, excuse me. He did what? He slept with his. He would sleep naked with his, like, granddaughters in bed. Yeah. And Mother Teresa, there's an article on Medium, the dark side of Mother Teresa. No. No, I don't want to know. Princess Diana, documentary called. There's a documentary about her called Hell's Angel. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it was spearheaded by someone who's a volunteer in her missionary work. So, <gasps> like, credibility Whoa! to the claims. It yeah. was like a reliable source. Mm-hmm. 40% accurate or more. Yeah. It claimed through various eyewitness testimonies that there was basically no regard for safety for terminal ill individuals. Just lots of malpractice, lots of, like, a savior who didn't really know how to save. Yeah. I do think I'm not making any excuses, but I think it could be easy to start off, like, small, like you are just one person and you think you're, you know, you're going to help out a few people and then it gets so big, but you've created this, like, persona. Like, I do believe there are people that could think that they're going to do the right thing and like start off small and try and help people. And then this following or all these people start reaching out and then it's just like, but here's my thing with that, especially about the people who are doing this in other countries. Like if you want to do something in your own community, I think that's amazing. Like go and do that. Volunteer your time. Like I think that's fantastic. But these people that are going into other countries to like save them, Mm Um, first of all, slightly insulting. White savior. Complex. Yeah. Second of all, yeah. they're not doing it out of like this soul feeling of altruism. They're doing it to look good. They're doing it because it it looks good. They want to post the pictures well, of the it's like poor yeah, kids. all the talk about like community work and then like the photos we take when we're doing it. Like- Absolutely. If you want to, instead of spending the thousands of dollars to go on a mission trip. Give that thousands of dollars to whoever you're going to go visit. Like, you don't need to go paint the orphanage. And I, I say that because that's what I did. I went on a mission trip to Indonesia. We could have just given that money to them. They could go hire somebody in their community to paint the orphanage for them. But instead, we're taking pictures with these kids. It's, I feel disgusting about it. Like, it's just, uh, it's, you're not doing what you think you're doing. Yeah, and I see, that's why I think Florida Lisa's story can, like, hit so hard with people in the beginning. Because she was trying to help her community. This was her community. This was her favela that she was, like, trying to save, supposedly. And then it turned into this. I think it's possible that maybe in those early days, she really did have this feeling of, like, I'm going to save these people and I'm going to do this. And then she got famous and decided that, like, she really was God. And yeah. Then it went real, real bad. I mean, as bad as you can get it. I mean, she's l- literally ha- has a cult here. According to Jim and Jane, I don't know if those stories are true, but my God, if they're made up, like, well, who yeah. hurt you? You have a good point, though, about like going overseas or going somewhere else to do community work. They, be- Let's tell the people where they can give back in their own neighborhood. Let's, how do we do that? Well, I don't is know where like their a- neighborhood is. It depends on your neighborhood. Well, 
This is your PSA to give back in your own community. Uh, One organization that I have volunteered for in Houston specifically is an organization called Stand Up for Kids. I haven't been involved with them for a long time, and it was kind of briefly, but they're a great organization. And they go out to uh, like the homeless kids um, in Houston, Mm -hmm. and they pass out just like hygiene products and like things like that. Mm Just try to help them get back on their feet, help them like in any way they can. It's not a religious organization at all because I'm not into that. And I just – I think they're doing really, really great things. Um, but hey, mom, good for you if you are into that, you know? Yeah. For all the I mean, I, 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 I guess. I don't really like this idea of like going and like preaching your religion to street kids as like a way to help them, as like a way to like get them into your religion. Like I kind of think that's – but if you're religious and then also trying to help people, that's great. Just, like, don't, Mm -hmm. I don't know, force a religion on them or, like, hold a religion over their head as a way to, like, like they can get help if they, you know, come to, you know what I mean? I I don't know. Yeah, yes. Christians are the number one problem with Christianity. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, it's people put faith in people and, yeah. Yes. But, yeah, anyways. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. Oh, okay. Do we have shout outs? Of course. Of course. Of course, we've had several new people join. So if you have just joined our Patreon and you have not yet signed up for a shout out, please make sure you go on to the Patreon and look for MoGab's post with the shout out yes. form and sign up for it because we uh, that's the only way you're going to get a shout out because I don't know if anybody wants their like full name out there. So until you sign on that form, we're not going to say your name. I'm not going to put you on blast without your consent, okay? Consent is key. If you are a patron, go check your mailbox, too. If you're like, if you didn't just sign up. You might have some mail. Ooh, fun. Mail's here. (laughs) Shout out time. Shout out time. Shout out time. It's time for shout outs with Kristen and Mogab. I love that the song changes every week. (laughs) First shout out this week that we moved. Should we I did. even say that? Should I say why we moved? We did. We, we pushed did it back. move it. And it's Lisa Couch. And Lisa, we pushed it back because we didn't want there to be any confusion on your relation to, or your non relation to Ethan Couch of last episode. If you are related, please let us know. <laughs> we have follow up questions. We're going to go ahead and assume that you're not. And thank you so much, Lisa Couch. all right our next up thank you so much big thanks to okay we're gonna do this megan mohammadi mohammadi megan mohammadi megan mohammadi megan mohammadi oh right okay mo ma ma megan mohammadi that's not a good save that one all right thank you megan mohammadi a major shouts to Allie. Appreciate the phonetic spelling there. <laughs> major thanks to Joni Kent. Thank you so much. Like happy days. And Kent like Superman. Or Roy Kent. Have you watched Ted Lasso? Roy- oh, I haven't watched Ted Lasso. I've heard it so good. <gasps> oh my gosh, I'm ahead of you in something in pop culture. <laughs> you are. I've heard it's really good. And Holly Grace. Big major thanks, shouts Holly. to you, Holly. Major shouts, hey, Holly. Hey, Holly. <laughs> Hey, girl. Even though you didn't fill out the form, Holly. Even though I had to add your name myself, Holly. (laughs) (laughs) 
still big things. All right. Last but not least, Ilsa from H-Town. H-Town? H-Town. Go Astros. Go Astros. Go Astros. We are recording this after day five, between day five and six. So game, between (laughs) game five and six of the World Series. The stress is high. I am, I have heart palpitations. By the time this drops, it (laughs) it will be over. If we don't win, I'll have you cut this. (laughs) (laughs) We don't. Oh. Yeah, okay. Who are we kidding? We're definitely winning. Are you kidding? We're definitely winning. Yeah, you put that We like to always take it to game seven. Always. (laughs) We never get anything done easy around here. Isn't that right, Bobby Terry? Bobby Terry. All right. Nothing comes easy around here. (laughs) (laughs) I never get tired of talking about that sick (laughs) son of a bitch. (laughs) I believe it's sorry, only because I rewound that part like five times and listened to it. That sick sorry son of a bitch. (laughs) I died today during (laughs) Bokoba. Bukus of dolls. I'm so glad you called me out on saying Boko. Well, it took me a second because it sounded like a little wrong, but I almost was like questioning myself. And so I let it go and I was like, no, oh my God, Boko. (laughs) I was like, the internal monologue was so great. It was so, so good. (sighs) All right. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you so much for joining us again. Yes. Thank you for still choosing to be here. Challenge by choice, honestly. You can follow us on all the social medias, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Not the TikTok. <laughs> Not the TikTok. We we have a TikTok. Is blank. No videos. <laughs> this user has no videos. If you're interested in being our TikTok intern, let us know. If you would like to make TikToks for us, <laughs> please send us a message. We're too old. Creeperspot at gmail.com. We're not too old. Okay. All of my people on my FYP are millennials. Thank you very much. I don't even know what FYP is, so I'm too old. It's your for you page. And it's is for that you. In the cloud? It's literally for you. Is it on the cloud? It's literally for you. Here's the thing, I don't have to be on the TikTok because people I love that you can just like send them via text. That really is a great feature. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate that I can't do that with tweets. But everyone sends me Waffle House, Dr. Pepper, Reba McIntyre, TikToks. That's, those are my three. And sometimes there's like a George Bush one in there or like a bald eagle. Right? Yeah. You know, those are Everybody my, sends that, me single lady TikToks. <laughs> That's my F. What is it? FYP? Uh huh. Pretty good. Yeah. Your PYT. Okay. All right. Uh, anything else for the outro? Oh, tell your friends. Tell all your friends about the podcast. That'd be great if you liked it. If you didn't like it, don't tell anybody. Except, I mean, you can tell us in a private message. You can tell us in a private message. We'd be happy to take your feedback. But keep it, but keep it sisterly. I'm tired of people coming in flaming me for no reason. Okay, be nice. Yeah. Can we all move on past the Brittany Murphy episode? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm so sorry about that. I have to re-record that. It's like. I, Listen, I understand. I get all my own nerves sometimes. I mean, you know. <laughs> what are you gonna I do? do? You I didn't know. My, you didn't know she was wear my list. I that's genuine too. Oh well. Oh well. Oh, all right. Have a good night. Be sure to subscribe to True Crime Creepers, so you'll have our next episode as soon as it drops. When I'll tell Mogab another wild story. I have no idea what it's gonna be, but it's gonna be wild. Well, it's not as wild as this. <laughs> Could it be? Is that possible? <laughs> Probably not.
Oh, bye peeps and creeps.